our world is always so rush-rush. We can never get any personal time to ourselves, let alone those that we love. Welcome to Might Radio with host Gabriella Von Ray. Our mission, to reintroduce kindness and compassion to our busy lives. Remember when life was so much simpler? Gabriella and her guests today will pick up the ball of human kindness and by doing so, empower you to make changes in your own life. And now, here is Gabriella Von Ray. Good morning, everyone, and welcome on another show. I happen to be in the Midwest and have the first cold of the year, so bear with me if I sniffle from time to time. We have an exciting guest already only by his name, and I'm chuckling already. His name is James Bond. I swear I did not invent this. (laughs) James, I am so glad to have you on my show, not because of your name, but because of the topic, The Secret Life of Fathers. Now, that sounds pretty amazing, but you have created a project, the father-daughter project, and you have written a book, The Secret Life of Fathers, and what is really interesting is that you've spoken to many different fathers and interviewed them, so you have like a sort of crash course of what father things think of daughters and vice versa. Is that correct? Yes, Gabriella. Thanks for having me on. Uh, <laughs> It's great to have you, James. Okay. And I'm trying to swallow the last name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Tell me a little bit about, because when, when I think of a daughter, and to tell you the truth, I have a daughter, I instantly have a flash that think, oh my God, they're pain. Because daughters are difficult. They are different than boys. <laughs> and, and for mothers, it feels a bit painful sometimes, daughters, because they never listen. But I remember as a daughter myself that I had an amazing relationship with my dad. Mm. And I think it's really, really important that girls have that and that they're able to say everything to fathers. So I know a little bit about your personal story, but the listener doesn't know at all how you got to write this book. Right. Well, you know, as a father, of, especially of a daughter, you want to be the knight in shining armor. And I didn't realize this until I started interviewing dads. And as I heard them telling me their stories, I realized, oh, yeah, I never thought of that. And so for 13 years, I ran a behavior management company working with, you know, Fortune 500 companies. And then I realized that my own relationship with my middle daughter wasn't as great as I thought. You know, I'm supposed to be this great expert. And suddenly, you know, I realized I'm not as with it as I thought I was. And, well, when I first heard the story... um, it was a real shock to me. I have a son and three daughters. My daughters are in their 20s. And when my middle daughter, Lauren, was 22, I heard about this mean prank that my uh, son and my oldest daughter played on her when she was six, when she was really young. And we basically, um, we were renting a house that was butted up against a, um, a baseball diamond in, in the area. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it was dusk and the lights were shining in from the baseball field because it was packed with kids. All the boys in the neighborhood were basically on the baseball field, and all their parents uh, were in the stands. And uh, so my son and my daughter were looking through a crack in the fence. They opened up the, uh, the gate just a touch, and they started calling to Lauren, who was six years old, and they said, Lauren, Lauren, come on here. You've got to take a look at this. You know, something was going on in the field. And Lauren said, no, I, I'm just, you know, no. 
And they said, no, no, you've got to come out here. Just take a second. And she said, oh, I just took a shower. And I said, don't worry about it. Just come out here just for a second. So she finally went out into the backyard uh, just with a towel on. And she was looking through the crack in the fence. And they ripped her towel off and pushed her naked onto the baseball field and closed the fence. So here she is, six years old, totally naked in front of every boy and their parents in the neighborhood. And so she started knocking on the fence to try to get back in. They wouldn't let her back in. So she had to walk all the way around the baseball field naked and come around the front to get back into our house. Oh, that's terrible. You know, you think about how... How how can, especially at six years old, but I guess any time, but at, certainly at six years old, how can something like that really affect, you know, a, a daughter, certainly? And so when I learned about this, I felt really bad. And here she's in her 20s now. So I sent her an email and I said, I heard about this, you know, terrible prank that the kids did on you when you were really young. And I suddenly realized that you were the quiet one and I never really got to know you. I feel like I haven't been a very good dad to you. You know, I wasn't abusive or anything, but I just, you know, my career got in the way and, and she was the quiet one. And so I, I sent her this email saying, I feel, I feel really bad that I've never gotten to know you. And she, <laughs> sent, she sent me an email back and she said, I've been waiting my whole life to hear this. And that really floored me. Um, and so I, I realized, you know, in my mind, I thought we had a great relationship, but that was in my mind. In her mind, we had no relationship at all. And so I wondered, you know, why was it so hard for me to have a relationship with her? Uh, and could I be the only dad that was, you know, this clueless about his relationship with his daughter? And so I, it started... You know, I started um, interviewing other dads or asking other dads, uh, you know, about their relationships with their daughters uh, so I can understand how to be a better dad. And it started as a um, kind of just a small exercise that turned into a marathon. And because of my behavior management background, I started asking dads really deep questions about what was really going on in their relationship. And I ended up interviewing 101 fathers of daughters uh, on recorded calls. And uh, what they said was really profound for me. And when people heard the uh, interviews and read the transcripts, because we got transcripts made also, they said, you've, you've got to turn this into a book. This is really deep stuff. And people don't know this about dads and fathers. And so they encouraged me uh, to, you know, to create the book. And it's, it's funny because it's like, it's like eavesdropping on men when no woman's in the room. And it's amazing what guys will tell you. And so... You know, it just anyway. That was the the essence of how the book came about. Okay, well, first of all, I think um, it's almost amazing to have three daughters. And what I like about what you just said and what really jumped out at me is that you know you have kids of one family and everyone experiences something else because they're at another moment in their in their lives, right? Right. And and so that really jumped out at me when I heard that. And uh, do you have any idea, I mean, I don't know if the listener is interested in this, but do you have any idea why your eldest daughter and your son made that prank on her? Um, you know, it's funny because uh, my oldest daughter heard me tell the story and said, Dad, you have to let people know that we were not mean. We just didn't realize what we were doing. It seemed funny at the time. And so, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where, I, you know, they just thought it would be really funny, I, I guess. And they didn't think, you know, I mean, when we're really young, we don't think of all the implications of what we're doing. 
you know, they think now about it, you know, and Morgan, my oldest daughter, and she feels really guilty, you know, she, it's funny, because I was, uh, someone was, at, you know, interviewing me, and I, and as I, I was just explaining the story, he said, I bet she doesn't like baseball, which is, I thought, really funny, but, it, but, mm-hmm. you know, when, when we're, you know, when we're young, we're dumb, and I think that's the beauty of being young, you know, having kids, I mean, you have your daughter, but, so, so you get that, it's, it's fun, because you realize the joy that kids have. It's a whole different world. I mean, I remember the moment when I became an adult. And it was really a sad moment for me. And it was, it started raining. So I stepped out of the rain and my kids stepped into the rain. And then I looked at them and I said, boy, they're having a lot more fun than me. And I decided, you know, the heck with this. I was wearing nice clothes. But I said, you know, I'm going to step in the rain, just hold my face up and feel the rain on my face. It was pouring. And just enjoy it because I forgot how much fun it is to be a child. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it's funny because when I, when I went home after and I was drenched, my wife looked at me and said, I thought I married an adult. <laughs> you know, I guess wives will say that sometimes. But, you know, <laughs> Vice but, versa, too. <laughs> yeah, really. And my, my favorite song is from Annie. You know, I won't grow up. I won't grow up. But I just, so we get that joy of being young. But in, in youth, I think there's also a lot of things we don't think about of all the implications. We just do stuff sometimes. And so mm-hmm. for my kids, I think that's what, they just did it. They just thought this is going to be really funny. Let's do this to her without thinking, wow, this is going to be terrible for her. So, Yeah, no, I, I, I really do get that. But the story kind of hits home because something similar happened to me by the age of like nine and a half, ten. Wow. So I I, whoo, <laughs> I just listened to the story and I have all these emotions already because I don't think a child that's in the situation forgets that forever. It, right. it just stays with them forever. So, but well, and that's the, the thing relationship for, between daughters and and fathers. How do you get from um? From not knowing or being clueless, I'm going to use your words, from being clueless when you yourself think you have a great relationship and a child telling, telling you that you actually don't. How, how does that happen? Where, where is the disconnect somewhere between the two people? Well, you know, guys tend to have this wall. You know, we don't show emotion. We're really good at problem solving. You know, it, I guess it goes, goes back to the days of the dinosaurs and having to survive. You know, this, we're little and a dinosaur is big, and yet we can, we can kill dinosaurs because we could figure out and, and do this problem solving uh, tremendously. But because of that, it's like we don't have enough, the wiring is all used up in problem solving, and there's no wiring left for communication. And so because of that, guys tend to be lousy communicators. You know, if you ask us certain questions, we will respond in two volumes, loud or off, okay? Off in that if it's a sensitive area, you know, there's the old line, never let them see you sweat, you know? Don't show your emotion. Uh, and, and a lot of guys, we have this. And as I listened to the guys, as I was interviewing them, I started recognizing this in myself too, that there are certain emotions that we don't like to show vulnerability um, because it makes us, you know, feel weak, and uh, so as a result of that, we'll either be totally quiet and not respond at all, or we'll try to deflect. You know, so I have a, one, one of my brothers, I have uh, two brothers, uh, he does humor. If you ask him something really sensitive, he can pop you back a joke and just you start laughing, but you forget 
what the what the topic was. He can get you off the topic that way. And a lot of guys do that. Other guys get mad. It's like, whoa, what are you talking about that or whatever, you know, or, or just, you know, uh, we come across in such a way that it it's a way to deflect so that you don't get deep and actually find out what's really going on with us. And so, yeah, you know, when I was interviewing the dads, it was funny because I would ask a tough question and I'd, I'd pause. I remember this one guy, this older guy who I was interviewing uh, was like this. And he got all embarrassed and he started apologizing that it was taking so long. And I said, don't worry, we're on this call for as long as you want. Take as much time as you want. And I really got the sense that nobody's ever asked him a tough question and given him the time it takes to answer. And for a lot of guys, and I realized for myself also, if you ask me a tough question, I want to answer it. But if I'm, you know, if the wiring isn't there, if I don't know, if if I have to battle through my emotions, saying "Don't answer this," you don't show emotion, don't show, you know, vulnerability, then I'll, I'll I, I struggle through that. And it, I think it takes a lot of courage to be able to go past that for a guy and actually tell you something that's that's true, that's really going forward. Uh, so, so here's an example. You said I have, you know, three daughters. I have a son and three daughters, and my daughters are in their twenties. And so mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the guys that I interviewed early on said this, and I thought, that's a strange thing to say. He said, you know, I'm afraid of women. And I thought, well, that's an interesting thing. And he said, you know, the reason I'm afraid of women is I don't know the rules of engagement. You know, with guys, with guys, when, you know, we know how to interact and all that stuff, but with girls, I mean, you guys cry, <laughs> you know, I'm, I mean, you guys use emotion. You can tap emotion. You can read us emotionally better than we often can read you. Mm -hmm. And so I realized, you know, it's interesting that he should use this word fear. And so uh, recently I went on this publicity, this this big, uh, I went to this big conference in New York. Mm-hmm. And so my daughters, uh, two of my daughters are here. One's in uh, Montana. I'm in the West Coast. Uh, and uh, uh, they said, well, Dad, you don't, you're not wearing nice clothes. You need to get nice clothes. So we're going to take you out shopping, so you're going to go get nice clothes. We'll get you some nice clothes. I thought, okay. So I turned to my wife, Pam, and I said, so, Pam, so let's go. And she turned to me and said, nope, just you, you and the girls, you're on your own. And I had a moment of panic where I realized <laughs> it's just going to be me and the two of them, <laughs> you know, my oldest and my youngest. I said, you know, I don't want to hurt their feelings. What if they want me to wear something that I don't want to wear? Or, you know, I I don't know what it was, but it was just, I had this moment of panic of me being alone with my two daughters. It was, it's bizarre. But to me, but it just, the more I thought about it, the more I went, wow, it's that I would be overcome with fear for this moment. And I have to tell you, you know, Gabrielle, it was a wonderful, I had such a great time. They picked, you know, they got me to wear a blue suit with brown shoes, which I wouldn't wear. They said, oh, no, Dad, you're so out of it, you know. That's what people wear. And, you know, it was such a fun time. They had the people in the store helping. And, but, uh, but what happened is I realized that, you know, I, I bet through my life I've deprived myself of opportunities where I could just be with one of my daughters um, or, uh, you know, enjoy uh, a time together with them because I have this, wall, you know, this wall of fear and, uh, and just, uh, yeah. So what I, in our behavior management company, I have this late, uh, I work with, uh, you know, many major companies and a division of general electric, uh, an aerospace division mm-hmm. was a man's company. It's really a man's company. And they have this one lady who's the head of a division, a technical division. And she was awesome. 
And she used to tell me how, you know, men are afraid of women. I remember this after this guy said this, I started realizing this. She said, whenever we had to get stuff approved by our, our management, you know, if we needed extra budget to, to, to get something or to buy something, I would wear my red dress. I'd call it my red dress day, and they knew not to mess with me. And she said, it's amazing. You know, you walk into a room with all these men, and here's this woman with a red dress, and so these guys have to fight for their budget. They would say, what do you want, Kathleen? And she would just say, I want this and this. Go, oh, yeah, no problem. And she would get the stuff just because it was a red dress day. Yeah. So. No, but it's true. I, I, I remember way, way back when in Europe, I had a red suit, and uh, with gold inside, and uh-huh. I would wear that when I needed to get something done because it's a men's world out there. Yes, it is. And and the color apparently frightened people. <laughs> <laughs> it's a power color. No wonder that all those Chinese like it. That's right. But. Um, yeah, no, I, but I think what, what, what I'm hearing, and I want to include the listener in this, is we have no measure where we are told how to treat people. Uh, how do we treat a son? How do we treat a daughter? How do we interact with another woman that's not our wife? Right. Uh, how do we interact with a man that's not our husband and vice versa? I, I, I think it's really complicated out there. And I think also, and, and you said that, with the men having to be tough, I do not think that we teach a young boys reflection right. at all. I see that in school. And I think that's that's a shame that we don't teach it. And we don't seem to teach it in the home either. And... Um, I think that's one of the reasons men stay clueless that long. Would you agree or do you say I'm totally, you you can tell me anything, honest. But I think that that's the reason, really. I I think you're right, but there's also, this is a complicated time to be a man. Yes. You know, I mean, you know, every all the wars, you never say, well, it's women that start wars. It's men. You know, all the problems in this world get attributed to men, not to women. You know, it's and we're not trying to turn men into women and women into men. But there are certain features. You know, my daughters have to deal with a man's world. I don't want them to be weak because men are going to bully. It's just what some men do. And so I want to make sure that they're not going to be bullied to do something they want they don't want to do. Uh, but I don't want them to turn into men. I want them to be women, but I want them to have certain features or qualities that men have. Like men is the same. You know, I don't, just because somebody disagrees with you, don't get into a fight. You know, sit and talk. Try to have empathy and understand. Be nurturing and, 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 you know, have those qualities. But don't have a man turn into a woman. But it's a hard time because, you know, we look at the qualities of what's the ideal leader, what's the ideal person, what's the ideal father. And we start putting women's qualities onto them, which is wonderful. You know, he needs to listen. But he but don't all, you, know, you feel, though, that uh, the women, and, and I can only say that because I'm a woman, mm-hmm. that, that we took it a little bit far to take on the qualities of men? Because by taking on the qualities, we, we sometimes, I'm not saying always, mm-hmm. we lose our, our femininity in a way, and our femininity is our strength. Yep. I, I give you the example back to the suit. Remember the ladies at the black dress? I'm very conscious that today, nine out of ten times when I do public speaking, I have a dress on. That doesn't mean that the dress is frilly and silky and God knows what. But a dress is a feminine statement and you can still be a powerhouse. Right. 
Do, do you see what I mean? But oh, yeah. I think we we went a little bit overboard. I see that sometimes in my own daughter that we 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 want to give them those values. We don't want them to do any less than young men do, but we give them a little push that sometimes pushes them in the arrogance. Is is that the word I'm looking for? Yep. You you know where they go where there's no softness, no. There's no nothing anymore. You kind of look at them and you say, who the heck is this? Right. Well, and I, I think there's a, there's a real battle that we have in our minds. And the battle is, who am I? What do I really like? Yeah, of and course. So what happens is, you know, I know my mother wants me to dress this way. My boss wants me to dress this way. My, my husband or my wife wants me to dress this way or my boyfriend or girlfriend. And so we end up being this image of who we want and we, uh, who we think we need to be. And we forget who we really want. You know, sometimes, you know, I have my, my wife will wear a dress, and she usually wears, you know, like she doesn't wear, I guess, dresses. And she just says, I, I feel good in this. I feel beautiful in this. And I just feel like wearing it. And I don't care if the colors work or whatever else. I love this. And we forget that sometimes, you know, we have to please ourselves, but it's hard to please ourselves when we don't know who we are. And I remember even growing up, it was all, I had all these expectations on me. I should do this and I should do that. And, and, you know, I was good in math, so I had to go into engineering. Nobody noticed I loved English too. And it's like, no, no, you've got to go into engineering and all this. And so for me, it was, you know, all I realized, who am I? I don't know who I am. Somebody asked me one day, you know, like, what do you like? And I went, um, uh, it was a hard question to answer. And I think that because we have so much expectations on us about how we're supposed to perform, what we're supposed to do, what we're supposed to be like, uh, what success, that we forget or don't really understand who we are. And once we start, we did, with our behavior management, we do this. I start asking people questions about themselves and, you know, we give them a personal goal and a business goal. Well, they said, well, can I have you know, two business goals and forget about the personal one, I go, nope, that's not how the game is played. You have to have one business and one personal action that you want to do this week. And people were tormented because (laughs) on the personal side, I don't know what to do. And it's just because it just, it doesn't connect, you know? So a quick story, this, um, a major company, uh, we're coming up to a break, aren't we? Yeah, no, go ahead. We, okay. we missed just a commercial make sure a long break. time ago. Don't worry. Okay. So this guy, <laughs> this guy who's a big guy in a, in, a, in a Fortune 500 company, very, very important guy. So you give him business goals, he's fine. But personal goal? So he said, you know, in a personal side, he said, you know, I have a vacation coming up and I want to go fishing. Uh, you know, I haven't gone, I haven't really taken a break in about three years and I just love to go fishing. He said, but I'm stuck because I have a dilemma. I want to go fishing and have a great time, but I should also spend time with my son, who's like 13 years old, and I haven't really spent time with him, and I don't know what to do, which one I should do. Like the whole table looked at him as if like, duh, and I said, well, why don't you take him fishing? And he went, and I swear he said this, oh, well, I never thought of that, so mm, that's a good idea. I mean, it was like so obvious. Like, if, you, if you're going to go on vacation and you ha- want to spend time with your son, why don't you take him fishing with you? I mean, if that's what he wanted to do. He came back after, and people said, you know, he's talked, he talks about his son. He was telling what an amazing boy he is. He's learned, you know, what his son's interests are and all this stuff. We, he never talks about his family. This is, you know, they said, what did you do to this guy? But it was just amazing that on the personal side, we don't understand, you know, what we want. 
what's important to us. And I think that, you know, that's just, it complicates our lives. And I think parents also think that they have to do things for their children in what I call a children's world instead of bringing them into your world. Right. I think yep. there are parents that parent, that bring children into their world. Mm-hmm. And I think you have parents that bring children that take them into their world. I did it the other way around. Right. I said, I'm putting you into this world, into my world, not the other way around, kiddo. Right. You know, with other words, if I went to a restaurant and she was nine months old, she went with me. Mm-hmm. She always has. And she loves restaurants. <laughs> and she, can, she does really well there. Tell me a little bit. I have a question here for you. Bobby is asking this. Um, what do your readers learn from your book? And would you say the demographic of your readers are fathers or are they actually daughters? More, more daughters, more women than, than uh, guys. You know, guys don't okay. follow instructions. So. <laughs> but guys, guys <laughs> who read it. it love, love it because it's kind of like a training manual for how to be a father because you're re- eavesdropping on these guys talking about what it's like at different ages of the daughter, um, what it's like uh, being a dad. And so some of them are sad stories where you hear, wow, this guy's messed up. And then some of them are, are, are successful or heroic stories where a guy's conquered this or done this or figured this thing out. But women are just, you know, really blown away. So let me give you this example. Yeah. This lady, Maggie, um, is, um, she's um, a copywriter, okay? And she's got her own business and she's in her 60s. I think she's maybe 64 and she was telling me that she's, she was reading this, and in the beginning of the book, it has, you know, the early relationship with dads uh, and daughters, and how uh, she was reading about this guy who was having so much trouble. The more, the more he tried to get close to his daughter, the more he seemed to repel her instead of bring her close, that she seemed to, you know, get further away. And as she was reading this, she told me, I just realized something about my own father. She said, she grew up in, in Ireland. And her dad would go out drinking with the boys every day. It was just a standard thing that they did, I guess, in their area in Ireland. And um, she said, I remember my dad coming in from drinking with the boys, and I was really young. And he came over and he asked me if he could help me with my homework. And I was disgusted. You know, I could smell the booze on him or whatever. And I said, you know, no. And I guess I must have humiliated him. And he turned around and he walked out of the house. And so she said, for my whole life, I felt that my dad was really cold and detached and I had no relationship with him and he probably didn't love me. But as I was reading this, I, it brought me right back to this moment and I, she says, I swear, I bet he was afraid of me. I bet it wasn't that he was cold and detached, but he was afraid that I would humiliate him because I so humiliated him in this one moment where I didn't do it intentionally. I just you know, responded or reacted. And that's why my dad never you know, came up to me and asked me and wanted to interact with me. And she said, my whole relationship with my relationships with men through my whole life, here I am in my 60s now, has always been detached. Like I've always, I've never had a close relationship with a man. And I bet it goes back to my, my false understanding of my relationship with my dad. She said, I bet he wanted to get close to me. He just didn't know how. And uh, she said he died about 10 years ago. And she feels really sad that she doesn't have a chance to go back and ask him some of this, you know, like what was really going on now that she's more mature and and more confident. And so, you know, I've had quite a few women talk about this and, and 
misunderstanding they have or, um, yeah, misunderstanding they have about what their dad's really like. It's just because he, he's quiet or seems to be acting a certain way doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Maybe there's stuff in the way, like this barrier that guys have that, you know, we don't know how to talk about emotion. But once you open the door... You know, the guys that I talked to, the dads that I talked to, and I talked to 101. That's a lot. I'm, it was, that was such a, lot a range. Yeah. I mean, it was such a range. I had a 9-11 fireman. I had uh, one of the most powerful attorneys in the country. I had this ex-drug dealer. I had just, you know, it, just, it was amazing, like the, all these, you know, all the different types of dads that I had that talked. And it, it, for so many of them, it was this detached, you know, we want to connect. We want to, you know... And one of the great things about, you know, we, uh, we screw up in two ways. We talk okay. or we don't talk. <laughs> okay. okay. And in both cases, you're in deep trouble with women. That's right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is the perfect moment to take a commercial break. And everyone will be right back with James Bond and the secret life of fathers. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Listen for Trust Across America every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in as host Jordan Kimmel is joined by national experts in the fields of accounting, finance, organizational behavior, and sustainability, as well as companies that are applying strategies that are enabling them to be recognized as doing the right thing by the American Trust Awards. Your host Jordan Kimmel is himself a trusted professional with years of experience in applying strategies and consulting with today's leading firms. Trust Across America is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Are you a business innovator, or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to Might Radio. Do you have a question or comment for our show? Perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness. Please send an email to Gabriella Von Ray at gmail.com. That's G A B R I E L L A. V-A-N-R-I-J at gmail.com. Now, back to Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray. 
And hi, everyone. And if you're just tuning in for the first time, yes, we are speaking with James Bond. And he wrote a book, The Secret Life of Fathers. And we've been talking about how fathers are clueless, but how daughters also get a, an enormous amount of support and like a training manual out of reading his book because maybe they got it wrong too. Uh, James, thank you for being on this show and the first part was already so interesting. Um, I have a question here. Sure. Um, how that first, first relationship mm-hmm that a daughter has with a male is the father. Yep. And if it's not the father, then it's the stepfather. But you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Let's just yep. call it the father for a second. So that first relationship is really important for all future male relationships for that young girl, mm-hmm. right? So what is it that the listener could learn, or even if it's a woman that's listening to this, could help her husband to become a better person with that child? Because every child is different. Yeah. Um, Well, first, you know, and I was saying just before the break, there are two ways that a guy can screw up a a relationship with a woman, daughter or wife, girlfriend, whatever, and it's to speak or to not speak. You know, we, we screw up both ways. But with a daughter, when we have a a new baby, it's a nonverbal relationship. So with my daughter, I remember I would hold my daughter in my my arms, and I looked at her and I said, oh, you're so beautiful, but you look just like Winston Churchill. And my wife says, don't say that to her. And I said, she's a baby. She doesn't understand what I'm saying, and she knows what I mean. You know, but there's all this, there's these rules that we have of how we're supposed to, what we're supposed to say and not say, you know, this is politically correct or this is inappropriate. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the areas that screws guys up a lot where, you know, we say something and then we're not supposed to say that. So we end up clamming up and not talking much at all. That's why women, Mm -hmm. as you're saying, you know, you can say stuff and you can really make mincemeat out of a lot of guys because you can talk about all the stuff that we're wired not to talk about. And so I'll give you a quick example. So my wife came in, and she has long blonde hair, and she got a perm. She got her hair cut short, short cropped, made curly instead of straight, and brown instead of blonde. And so she came in, and uh, it was a shock to me because she looked so dramatically different. And she says, what do you think? Slight heart attack? Yeah, basically. And she says, so what do you think? And so I said, it looks terrible. What did you do? And she starts crying. And she says, oh, she was just experimenting on me. And I didn't, you know. And so she, she got back in the car and went back to the place. She knocked on the window. They were, had closed to try to get her, them to change it. And so my, uh, my daughter said, what did you tell mom? I, and I said, well, she got her hair done and it looked terrible. So I told her it looked terrible. She said, they said, don't you know you're not supposed to tell the truth? <laughs> I'm like, what? She asked me a question. I told her the answer. So I don't know the rules. I said, no, you're so stupid. You're not supposed to, you never tell her the truth if that's, you know, if it looks terrible. And it's like, there's these rules that 
Well, okay, then I guess I better not open my mouth because I'm going to No, but, but you can, I, I always say to people, you can tell the truth, but you got to sandwich it together a little bit nicely. Right. So right, you right, say, right. wow, it's so different, <laughs> honey. But under all this new stuff, I, I barely recognize you. I like the <laughs> yeah, old, <right>. see? Slowly <laughs> more you weasel your way into it. <laughs> That's just advice from another woman there. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. So I was in a, in church and, and I said, I was telling this, I forget why I was telling it, but I was telling it uh, to, um, you know, a group of people. And then it's amazing. I had three guys come up to me and say, yep, same thing happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I think guys just spontaneously go, oh, my God, this is terrible. <laughs> but it's also terrible to them because they don't recognize the wife. Yeah, and right. We think the word, see, we hear something else. When you guys say terrible, we hear you're so ugly. Right, right, right. You know, that that's the thing. And so we don't hear what you actually communicated to us. Right. We hear what we translated. And I think that's why relationships are as critically complicated as they right. are. Right. And, 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 and the truth is, women are creatures I see women do things, and sometimes I do it myself, and I think, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm a woman that just did that. You know, where you kind of solicit the the compliment in right. advance. Right. But you want to kind of find out if you're if it's good enough to go out like that tonight. <laughs> and the way you do it is really weird, and the guy doesn't get it. So right. the guy just says... Um, is it a new dress? What am I supposed to know? And of course you say, oh my God, dear, it's an old dress, but I just fucked it up <laughs> with some accessories and the guy has no clue, right? That's right. So what did you put we, on we, that? we do that really terrible. And I agree. <laughs> I mean, I really, really agree. But again, our daughters learn from us. They really do. I mean, if there's anything that I've learned in life, if there's anything I've learned about parenthood, is when you think that child doesn't care, when you think that child isn't looking, when you think that child isn't observing you, right? the truth is they are. And much they more are. than you little boys. They are under a microscope 24-7. I don't know why people are so courageous to have children. <laughs> and then you have four in your case. I only yeah, right. have one. But you know what I'm trying to say. Yep, yep. I, I think uh, if, I think if I, we planned it, we probably wouldn't have had children. Oh, we probably would have. But it just, uh, yeah, it, it, to someone who doesn't have kids, it's hard to explain. But when you have kids, there's something just so amazing that happens, a connection to another human being. And one of the dads said, you know, my kids are my fan club. He said, you know, it, how do you explain this to somebody who doesn't have kids? It's like, you know, it's so cool to have a fan club. You know, I mean, there are moments where, okay, I'm, I'm the evil one or whatever. But there are also these moments where I have this emotional connection to somebody. You know, the concept of till death do us part, you know, they say in, in, in marriage vows and all that stuff, it applies more to a father and a daughter than it does to a husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend. Because we're connected to this person until death. I remember hearing even, you know, and adopted kids want to find a connection to their, their real parents as well. 
so they can understand the traits and and you know what they you know what they're like and where they've come from. I remember hearing an interview about this lady who was a sperm uh, her, the product of a sperm donor. Her mom got a sperm donor. Uh, you know how that works. And yeah. uh, she was trying to track I down so. at this university who uh, the father was. I mean, even to that extent. And the reason is because somehow we, we, we have this connection to another human being that you can't match with anything else because it's a fa- especially with a father and a daughter because a daughter has this emotional connection. And, and emotion, you know, she's in touch with her emotions and sensitivity more than a guy would be, and so she knows that she's connected to her father, and so, and and girls are so observant, uh, and so, if you're watching, uh, you know, the Miss America pageant and talking about, whoa, look at the boobs on that girl, whoa, you know, I mean, she hears this stuff and it has an impact on her about what what are guys like, you know, we have the neighbors here. <laughs> And then uh, the neighbor, uh, the neighbor's wife is here, and then uh, and husband or whatever. And then you close the door. She hears what we say on the other side of the door. And we go like, "What an idiot!" or whatever, you know. And then she gets this perception of, "Okay, this is what guys are like." You know, they're they're when they're in front of you, they say one thing, but when they're as soon as that door closes, they say something totally different. You know, I always love. I heard this uh, this uh, mommy say, "You know, you wait till I get you home." And it's, you know, it's just a threat that people say, you know, just like, you know, you know, do this. I need you to stop doing whatever you're doing. But I had this, I thought like, wow, what a monster. What does she do when they get home? You know, usually nothing, but thank goodness. But it's just, we have this, we act differently in private than we do in public. And the daughter gets to, to experience that. And so... You know, as a woman, as you grow up, it's embedded in your mind. You know, it doesn't mean you're always going to be the same way in, in your understanding, but at least the first man that you ever experienced was your father. And, and so, culturally, it's different too. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> culturally, it's different. In France, we have a sort of saying that if you're not whistled at on the street, we've, we've lost it, right? Right. So we're really happy. Um, but I noticed that when culturally my daughter and I came to the U.S. and nobody ever did that. My daughter said, did we lose it? And I said, no, sweetheart, it's just different here. Wow. It's just different because she then didn't understand, for example, that when she passed a bar, someone would say, I do her. And she didn't know what that meant. And right. to tell you the truth, I didn't either. I had to ask a male friend to mm-hmm. explain it to us. So it is very culturally related right. how there are things we say behind the girl's back and there are things that we say in front of them. Right. It's right. totally, totally different. Yeah, I, I agree. And the but, torture for a lot of dads is that... So I, this, I had this 9-11 fireman uh, who was talking about this. His daughter's 13 years old, and he said, you know, I was a real, you know, I, was a, I would pick up girls, and I was just a hot guy, and I'm a fireman, and girls like that, and I'm, you know, buff and all that. And he said, but now my daughter's 13. I know what guys like. I know what guys want. How do I explain this to my daughter to protect her? <laughs> you know, it's like, whoa, wait a second. I, me, when I was young, is going to be the guys that are going to be going after my daughter. And, and it's just, it's almost like punishment. <laughs> but it's, it's really, a, it's, it's powerful for a lot of guys 
because the whole issue, especially as the daughter starts developing, uh, becomes more complicated. Like one of the, one of the, uh, this guy who's a doctor said, you know, I used to give my daughter hugs and we used to have such great times and eventually as she got older and started developing, it became the A-frame hug, you know, like an A-frame, like you're just, you're hugging where you're far apart. He said, and I miss the hugs, but I also understand how complicated it becomes because as she's becoming a woman, but uh, and and suddenly I want to realized. answer something there, just for the listener. I mean, I think um, uh, we're. I have never forgotten in my entire life that my father took me to my first gynecology appointment. Of course, she didn't come oh. inside of right. the doctor's room because people actually asked me that. Okay. He didn't. <laughs> but I mean, he was sitting in the waiting room, and he was the only man there. Mm-hmm. Until this day, I have never forgotten that. And I told the father of my child, do that. And he did. Because I think that is so neat. I mean, I know it's uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. I know but the child actually starts talking. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, you actually get a chance to say, as a man, you know, my, my dad kind of said, you know, as a guy, I'm sorry, but... At this age, we're we're kind of horrible. We just mm-hmm. want things, and we want them now. But that doesn't mean we really like you. And and he did it really nicely. And it was a little bit confusing. I remember. I remember thinking, so they pretend to like you. <laughs> and then my dad said, kind of, to get to, you know, the end <laughs> of what they want. But. Um, but I thought she did it, he did it really, really nicely. And for the fathers out there, if you can muster it to go and to sit in the, that office, your child will never forget it. Right. And it might open up a lot of conversations. Did any of the dads talk to you about that? Uh, they talked about the sex talk. That was okay. interesting and complicated for a lot of guys. One dad said, you know, so I... I decided I was going to, it was time, and I was going to talk with uh, my daughter about that. And she got traumatized. You can see that she had trauma every time she knew I was going to have this talk. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. Um, okay. Um, but so it was very uncomfortable for a lot of guys. A lot, a lot of guys said, well, they were happy that the school did it, or a wife did it, or I think my wife did it, or whatever. It's, it's a complicated area. Yeah, for a lot Absolutely. of guys. Absolutely. Hold that thought, though. We're going to go in our last commercial break, and we'll be right back, everyone. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. 
What if you were willing to be controversial, choosing kindness instead of judgment, willing to stand out from the crowd, being a leader in creating a new reality, even if others don't follow? You can make a difference. Start by tuning in to The Value of Controversy. Each week, our hosts will bring you the tools to help create the world that you want to live in and explore what's possible when you choose from the controversy of consciousness. Listen for The Value of Controversy every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Might Radio. Do you have a question or comment for our show? Perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness. Please send an email to Gabriella Von Ray at gmail.com. That's G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-A-V-A-N-R-I-J at gmail.com. Now, back to Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray. Hi, everyone, and we're talking about the secret life of fathers with our guest, James Bond. And we would like to end the last part on a positive note. Uh, both James and I talked about that just during the commercial. Uh, I'm going to quickly reiterate what I said to you about my own father, if anyone listens out there. Um, I didn't think my dad was a good dad. But I think my dad was a great man. Now you're going to say, how is that possible? But I always came at him from an angle as just a human being asking advice. I didn't go, I realized very, very early, it must have been 14 or 15, if I asked the question the way a child would ask dad, he was emotionally not capable of answering. But if I asked it the other way around and I said, Dad, I'm just kind of stuck, but you're my friend. Um, you have a lot of experience. What do you think about this? Boom. The answer came out of him in seconds. It was no problem. And so I got what I wanted. So I think he's a great person. Right. What do you think about that, James? Oh, it's very much so. And I think it's too easy to misunderstand what's going on with your father uh, as a father because as exactly what you're saying is when you approach him as a dad, sometimes guys just clam up. They don't know what to say. But if you approach him as a man and just ask him, then that becomes really uh, powerful. And we had this um, this guy who was um, a TV celebrity, so I can't say who it was, uh, but... Um, between the ages, uh, when his daughter was young, he divorced her mom very young, and uh, he uh, for he stayed close to her until she was eighteen. And from the ages of eighteen to twenty-eight, he had no connection with his daughter at all. And she wondered, like, what did I do wrong? He even changed his phone number. When she was twenty-eight, ten years later, she found connected with him in New York City, and then suddenly became friends. And he met her husband, and and she was married, and all that, and became really good friends. But she never asked him, like, what happened with, uh, you know, what happened, and so. Uh, she got us to ask because from the father-daughter project, we asked them questions and she realized she thought all this time it was about her, something that she had done. It turns out it was his new wife said, I don't want you to have anything to do with your past family. And he was very ashamed that he had done this. But so because of that, he had no connection with his past family and broke off ties with her. So she misunderstood what was really going on with dads. 
And so to try to help and overcome that on, on our website, so let me just do a little pitch for the website here, but I, yeah. it's absolutely free. We have a book that's called, a booklet that's called Seven Questions Every Woman Needs to Ask Her Father. And if you okay. come to our website at thefatherdaughterproject.com, then you get these que- this little booklet that has seven questions that are really powerful that get you to get your dad to open up. And it, regardless of how old or young uh, you are, I mean, I guess obviously, you know, if you're like eight years old, it won't work. But uh, it's re- they're really fun questions, but revealing questions that get dads to kind of tell you what's really going on. And I think that's the... To, and then you guys go and ask those questions to the dad? Well, we can, certainly, but you can. It's, you know, there's simple questions that you can ask your dad. And it asks, and, you know, some of them are fun, uh, but most of them are very much, how does he really feel about being a fa- my father? In a way that it asks them in ways that make it easy for you to, to just phrase it with your dad. And it also shows you some samples of how dads sometimes answer it joking and then how you can get past the joke to find out what's really going on. And I can't tell you how many women go, wow, I finally have a father. I never even realized my dad is, he's actually a pretty nice guy. He just, you know, I never knew that my dad was like this or not. Hopefully, in most cases, women are finding that their dads, there's more than they thought. Yeah. And so that's what we're trying to do is just, you know, make the connection a little stronger where you can see what's really going on and get past that barricade of what, you know, how guys hide their emotions. Yeah, absolutely. I, I even see how that would be possible. Can you tell the listener how to get your book and how to get to the website, please? Sure. And it's easy to remember. It's thefatherdaughterproject.com. And if you go there, then you can get the free book is there. Uh, we've got uh, information on the Secret Life of Fathers. You can get that. And there's you know, a bunch of exercises and things that uh, uh, a daughter and a dad can do together that are fun, too. Okay, so the daughter, no, the fatherdaughterproject.com. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And then you're on Facebook, I presume you're on LinkedIn and, oh, yeah, and Twitter, right? Right, yep. Okay. Perfect. And there's a link, of course, for all the listeners on Voice America, and you can download it in a couple of hours and listen to it yourself. Mm-hmm. And then um, is there any message that you have for girls out there that are listening that, especially in this time with the holidays coming up, that might be estranged from their fathers? Yeah, and it's, especially with the holidays, we get a time, an opportunity to be together. Um, yeah. Your father, fathers don't understand how much of an influence they have on their daughters. Daughters don't understand how much of an influence uh, the father has. And so... Spending time interacting just the two of you, just talking, often can open the door so you start to understand how profoundly, you, you know, for daughters, how profoundly you were affected by your dad. And hopefully, you know, through asking questions, whether it's our questions or whatever, but just chatting, that you can open a door to start understanding, wow, this is, you know, this is my dad is. Can, you know, this is how I was affected by my dad, and he is a little different from what I thought. Yeah, that is super. Thank you so much, James, for being on this show. And uh, I actually look forward to reading your book. I'm going to order it. And um, it's incredible that you have had an interview with 101 fathers. Mm -hmm. And for everyone out there, please go to the website, whether you're a father, whether you're a mother, 
and all of us have a father and have had a father at least. And so go and find out a little bit more, the fatherdaughterproject.com. Thank you so much, James, for being on the show. And next week, we will not be here because of Thanksgiving. But the week after, we will be back with Mind Radio. again for joining us this week. Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray can be heard every Friday at noon Eastern Time, 9 Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week and until our next show, think of a random act of kindness that you can perform.